You're listening to a sermon from Hebron Baptist Church, a church in the northern Kentucky Cincinnati area that's committed to making disciples who make disciples. We want our love for God to be evident in our lives and for the Word of God to bear fruit as we go on mission across the street and around the globe. We hope after hearing this message, you'll connect with us on our website at hebronbaptist.org and visit our campus, not far from I-275 in Hebron, some Sunday morning. Our worship services are at 9.30 or 11. And now, here's a message from God's perfect, life-changing Word. For those of you who have just joined us, we are walking through God's Word, uh, the whole story, and we've got to the New Testament, and we're looking through the Gospels, and we found what all of history has looked for, the Savior of the world. Jesus came. It changed the cosmos. It changed history. It changed our lives because in Him, He became the sacrifice for sin. Today, At the end of chapter 15, a chapter that talks a lot about lost people being found, we see why Jesus is the ultimate hero. That he came not to bring glory to himself, but that he might die so that we can be saved. He came for the good of others, that his mission statement be true, that he came so that those who are lost would come to faith in him. As we look at this truth and as we think through this, Jesus spoke in a series of parables. We're going to look at the last one that seems to be very popular, very famous, the one of the prodigal son, as history normally says. And in this, we're going to look, learn a little bit about two lost brothers and how we might understand the grace of God to each of these people. And honestly, how the grace comes to us. Let's pick up where we left off reading earlier in verse 11 of chapter 15. He also said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods, and the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired workers have had more than enough food, and here I am dying of hunger? So I'll get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. While the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, 
Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let's celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants questioning what these things meant. Your brother is here. He told him, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, look, I have been slaving many years for you and I have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, he said to him, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and was found. Let us pray. God, We come knowing that your word is as sharp as a two-edged sword. We pray that though we might have heard this story before, though we may have read it, we pray today that it would pierce our hearts, that it would cut our pride out of our hearts, that it would cut ourselves off the throne of our hearts, that you might reign and rule. And Lord, we pray that it would examine our hearts that if there is sin, that we would quickly repent. But most importantly, Lord, that it would change us so that we might look more, about your, more like your majestic son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. I wonder how many of you have ever had something maybe in your refrigerator be pushed back and slid to the back, and then you forgot about it, and then it turned into a science experiment. I mean, have any of you had that? I mean, we've, we've had that before. Some of you are like, not in my refrigerator. I keep that thing clean. I should be bringing your mess in my refrigerator. It's happened to us, truthfully. In the back, the way it's designed, there's a little slit in the back of the, the shelf, and, and it's pushed back. And, and we came into the house one day, and we thought, Oh, what foul animal has died in here? Something, it, it, I mean, it happened within an hour. We walk in and there's just this stench and we search everywhere and we think it's a diaper, you know, that's hidden behind a couch or we think that something has happened, but it's actually just something had been accidentally pushed and fallen down and it was disgusting. Maybe you might not have something like that in your refrigerator, but there are things in your house that you surely don't want other people to see. Maybe it's a dirty refrigerator. Maybe it's a dirty junk drawer. Maybe it's a junk closet, or maybe it's some other thing. But you know that you don't want anyone to know about it, let alone see it or know it exists. Well, I believe in the same way there are things in our heart that we don't want other people to know about. Sin, selfish thoughts, desires that we don't want to make it to the light of day. The good news for us that we read in this parable today is that though those things exist, 
God loves us and has sent his son to die for us. That those things in our hearts and in our lives can go away with a new beginning in Jesus Christ. When Jesus tells this parable, he speaks truth to us. Jesus uses stories, and we often read this story, and we find ourselves in it, which is a very good thing. We find ourselves as being the prodigal son, which God brought back in grace, which is wonderful. But when Jesus told parables, he was often and always clarifying things about himself. That he was saying that there through him that the lost can be found. And that in it there is two really sons, two brothers, who are both lost and through Christ can be saved. Now, when he shared this parable, it was a very eclectic crowd. There was fishermen, there were tax collectors, there were prostitutes, but there were also faithful churchgoers, religious scholars, people who seemed to have it all together. When Jesus told this parable, he was inviting everyone in the room to say, who are you in this story? Who do you see yourself as? Because my grace is enough for both of them. And my grace is enough for you. Now, my hope is, is that when you read this, is that we're not really saying, or I'm saying here today, that this is you. My hope is not that, but maybe your story seems to be like one of the other. Maybe there are some resemblances that you see. Maybe you will connect to one of them. Today, my hope is, is that in reading this together, that we see that there is a new beginning available for you. Let's look at these two brothers and the message that Christ gives. The first that we see here is that the younger son tried to control the father with rebellion. The younger son tried to control the father with rebellion. Now, I meant to say that in this parable, it seems to be pretty straightforward for us to understand. The father in the story is God, and these two sons are us in some way that in our lost state that we can identify this way. Well, the younger son here is trying to do something to the father by controlling the father with his rebellion. We find a young son who wanted to sow his oats, to live on his own, to live the high life. That he came to the father to say this, Father, I want everything that you plan to give me uh, with my inheritance, I want it now. In this way, we see how Uh, in the first century how harsh this is because ultimately what he was saying is uh, dad I wish you were dead I wish that you were dead so I could get what I want or was going to get now he in essence was disowning his father and so we see even in this horrible request that the father still loved him because he did give him what he was going to inherit. What this meant was with he had the oldest son and rightful Jewish tradition, the eldest son got the most. So he would, the oldest son would get two thirds of his possessions. The youngest son would get a third. And so he sold his uh, land possessions so that he could give this money to his son. But how did his son use this? Well, he lived in excessiveness. The historical term used here, prodigal, uh, is a 
is a right turn, meaning uh, right term, excuse me, meaning recklessly extravagant. And this is what this son did. He lived extravagantly. He gambled it away. We hear the brother said that he wasted it on prostitutes. He spent and lived in a way that was contrary to everything that was right in God's sight. Today, maybe this describes you. You're so far from God because you are doing the things that you want to do. Maybe you are living addicted to gambling, abusing prescription medicine, drugs, or alcohol. Maybe you are living sexually outside of God's plan for the world. You are addicted to pornography or many other things. You are living and saying in this way, God, I want to do what's pleasing and right to me not what is pleasing and right to you. And this is ultimately what the youngest son was doing. He was saying, I want to control my life my way, the way that I want. I feel that I can make my life the best if I do it in the pleasures and desires that I seek. And this is ultimately what the youngest son was doing the worst. He was looking at the father, in essence, just like we do at God when we agree to go into sin. When we sin, we are basically saying, God, I am not listening to you. I want to be fulfilled and follow my way. I want to control things my way. You want control, don't you? We all want control, but it's very similar to what happens in my life on a daily, weekly basis with children in my home or a child in my home that likes to control parents with their actions. Um, You know, put your hands beside your, put your hands to your side, put your hands to your side, put your hands to your side, put your hands to your side. Okay. You know, they want to control the parents. I did that when I was young. We lived two blocks from a mall, and we would walk regularly over across the street. And so I did not want to go to the mall. How boring is it as a three-year-old to go to a mall, look at clothes, and try clothes on? I didn't want to go. So when I got to the mall with my mom, I would wiggle my way from her hand after you know as soon as that automatic door opened I would pull and I would run and hide in a a, a store and hide in the clothing rack or hide hide there and that was my way of controlling my mom well that lasted to the third time we did that happened and then it, it ended my mom beat me in front of God and everybody in that store and that doesn't go by very good anymore but she learned that no longer will you be controlling our trips to the mall I'm in control in the same way for us we know that we play the control game with God in essence telling him I want to control my life but here's what we find brokenness leads to more brokenness The more that we control ourselves by ourselves, we end up making a worse mess of our life than than we did before. We think we know what's right, and we think that these relationships, these lifestyles will lead to pleasure, but it usually leads to loneliness, heartache, and destruction. And this is where the prodigal son found 
In verse 17 to 19, we see that he was basically ran out of money, just as all money. If you don't have money coming in, it runs out. And a famine came to the land. And so he had very little or no way to get money in return. And so he was put out in a field to work with pigs. And he got to the point where he was actually longing to eat the pods they were feeding the pigs. In the first century, that was that was disgusting element of a Jewish culture to say you're going to eat with or even be around pigs. That broke the cleanliness laws, and so it broke him from any fellowship, a, a temple worship, or or family. And so he was already separated. But how horrible it was that he even longed for pigs' food, and it said no one would give him any. And it says that he came to his senses. He came to his senses. The spirit pressed upon him the need for a better life. And in the same way, maybe today, you relate to the younger brother, the younger son. You see him, and you found yourself following your own path, your own ways for so long. And the Spirit has revealed to you, you can't keep going down this road. It is going to continue to get worse hear this, the younger son came to a point where he knew he needed a new beginning and he went to go home to be with his father. Today my prayer is that you realize that you need a new beginning, not a life separated from God, not one that disappoints and leads for the next fix, not one that has a life seen broken relationship after the next, but you see that you need a new beginning in Christ. Is that you here today? Secondly, we see the older son in the parable. The older son tried to control the father through morality. We read about his response to the younger son when he learns that the party is going on. The father has accepted the younger son back and he is outside in the fields working and there's a party going on. And he says, hey, what's going on? And one of the other servants said, well, your brother is back. Let's celebrate. And in this story, we see that the older son refuses to go in. Now, what we see here, and it may surprise us, is but that very good people can be just as lost as anyone else. You see, the brother lived by the right standard. He lived what was right. He worked hard, did what his father said. He did everything that he thought was expected to him. And here his younger son went off, lived how he wanted to live, and, and got a, a fattened calf in return. And you, you see this just syrupy, just anger in his heart. You wouldn't even kill, give me a goat, let alone a calf for me. And I did everything that you have asked me to do. The older son here represents those who in the crowd that Jesus were talking to were churchgoers, the Pharisees and Sadducees and people who were religious. You know, those are very much like us, who those of us who think we can earn our salvation in God's sight. That our sacrificing our time at the clothes closet, our, our, our time of perfect attendance in Sunday school, our, uh, the, the opportunity that we have to, to do good things. And, and, and all the while we think that we're earning God's favor, earning God's favor, earning God's favor. Many times someone will say to you, uh, are you a Christian? And you say, well, I'm trying. 
And if that's the answer that you have about your walk with Christ, then you don't really understand the gospel. Jesus died for us once and for all, and when we accept him as Savior, we are his forever. We don't try to earn his favor. We don't try to maintain his favor. We don't try to curry his favor by all these good things. Instead, we know that we have received a gift in God's grace. But those of us who seek to earn God's favor, we work and work and work. And then we do the same thing that the older son did. We look down at other people. Well, that person... You know, that person came in and they're still not perfect. And, and, and why, are, why are they still doing that? I've been perfect. Look at me. The son was saying to the father, he was trying to control the father just as much as the younger son. Because the older son was trying to control the father through morality. God, if, you, if I do good for you, you have to do it in return for me. If I do good things, good things must come back in return. It's just like when I start to do things around the house. I bring Sarah her favorite candy, hot tamales home. Or uh, I do an extra round of diaper changing. Or I, I, I do something more around the house. Eventually she says, okay, what do you want? You're, you're trying to get some, what, what do you want? We think that we can earn, just like we're putting money in the bank, that we're putting something in, uh, in that we can take out. But that's not how God's economy works. We know that Christ has paid it all. Everything he has done is just a gift to us. And yet, for some reason, we try to control him by doing good things. And the problem becomes is that many are falsely believe that they're saved this way, that they've worked and they've worked and they've worked to gain God's favor. And then one bad thing happens. And then they say, God, this was not what I signed up for. I had a contract. I do good. I get good return. I'm not going to do this. And they walk away from the faith. And then there's others who think that their goodness gives them some sort of expectation or authority over others. This happens in the church a lot. pastor was sharing uh, a story about uh, there was a, a woman in the church that thought that her money gained her access or ways that... that he, she might influence the way that church goes. And so the woman came to the pastor and was upset about something that was happening. And the, the uh, woman came to the pastor and said, um, Pastor, I don't like what, what's going on. And you know that I give good money here. And which the pastor responded, Oh, Susie, surely you don't want a pastor who's influenced by money. Surely you wouldn't want to say that my pastor can be bought by someone's money. I'm sure that's not what you're saying, right? You know, convicted in her heart, she knew, okay, that's what I was trying to do. Control things by my expectation of goodness. This works out in our lives in many different ways. And the fear for us is that we try to work out our salvation in this way. We must understand that God's gift is the same to all, that the, the ground at the foot of the cross is level. We all need God's mercy. 
We all have no leg to stand on. We only stand by the grace of God. We only have salvation by a gift from him. And the reality is sometimes like the older son, this idea that we can control God through our goodness then blinds us from the reality of our sin and our life. The prevalent condition of many today is that we don't have sin. We don't need Christ. But friends, we see through the revelation of Scripture that we all are dark and need salvation. The reality is many of us seem like that we've got it all together on the outside, that we do good works and that that everything is good. It's kind of like putting a nice wreath on the outside of the closet door that is just a disaster on the inside. I mean, there's rackets around and there's just, if you, you're just afraid to even open the door because you're afraid you're going to be mountained down by what's behind it. But you put a, a nice wreath on the front. Oh, it's, everything's good inside, right? The reality is none of us are good, not one of us. And the, the prevalent problem that we have is that we need to overcome sin, not by our works, not by our straining, but only by receiving the gift of grace through Jesus Christ. Thomas Watson, the Puritan pastor, said, Till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. The reality was the older son found out that he needed a new beginning as well. And some believe that this, uh, this uh, party that, that they threw for the, the lost son is a picture of the heavenly feast of salvation. And what do we see? The older son is on the outside. He's missing out. Do you find yourself more like the older son today? Your pride has become your sin. You couldn't have a chance of humility in you. You, don't, you might forgive once, but you certainly don't forget. You lord yourself over others. You see yourself better as others. And you try to control God through the way that you live. Both people we see are lost outside of the party. But number three, we find the message in here is that both needed the grace of the father. We find that the younger son comes to his senses and he comes home. And we see even this wonderful picture that the father looks at him far down the road and sees him coming. And he pulls up his robe and he runs to him. This is an act of grace because no man of his stature would run and let alone uh, reveal his legs in that way to, to show himself. And yet this son who disowned him, who said, I wish you were dead, he saw him and went and ran to him. And, the, and, and of course, how did the young son respond? Oh, I will work for this. And, and the, old father, the father said, oh no. Here is my grace. Get a robe. Get the ring. Here's a fattened calf. Come in. You were lost and now you were found. Here is this wonderful picture of the father running after. We also see that the father went out to the fields to his older son who was stewing in his hate and in his pride. And in this we see that the grace of God is coming after us. No matter who you are or what you are or where you've come in today, for some reason God wanted you here. He is pursuing you. He wants you to hear this message that he is a God who gives new beginnings. That 
he has sent his son to die for you, that while we were sinners, that Christ came, he died on a cross, was buried, and rose again. Everything out of the grace of God. God did all the work. We do all the receiving. And in this, we see this invitation to join us. Lord, we we see together as we come in this that maybe you here today might have come and said, well, I am like the younger son. Well, if you feel like that you're the younger son today, that you are separated from God, that you are far from Him, that your past is just too great to overcome, I hope you hear this. There's a Father who loves you and has sent His Son to die for you. That in Him you are forgiven. And that His grace is more than enough for you. Stop running. Stop staying in your sin. Don't think that that defines you any longer. If you release and repent and accept the grace of God. But also the good news is to those of you who are saving yourselves by good works. Your sin is just as deep. And God's grace is still more. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 reminds us this. For you are saved by grace through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from work, so that no one can boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which Christ prepared ahead of time for us to do. In God's economy, it is this, that God, Grace has produced faith. This faith responds in salvation. And out of this salvation comes good works. Not the other way around. It is only by what Jesus does on the cross that saves you. We must be reminded that we sinned against God and that He gave us the ultimate Savior. Today, which one are you? If you're the oldest son, there's grace for you. If you are the youngest son, there is grace for you. There is love and a new beginning waiting for you. I hate movies with cliffhangers. This summer I saw a movie with a cliffhanger, and I've got to wait till next summer to find out what happens. I'm really upset about that. When I read this parable, kind of a cliffhanger it's kind of sad we see the older son still outside the party is he going to go in what's going to happen today what's happening in your heart will you accept the grace gift of God you you accept Jesus it's not too late God is chasing after you. There's not lost time. Christ has come and died for you. There is a new beginning for you. Would you help me by closing your eyes this morning? In just a minute, I'm going to ask for people to respond publicly. Maybe you will respond this morning by coming forward and saying, Pastor, I want to be baptized because I know that I've been born again, but I've not taken that step to reveal or show the world that I am saved and I need to come forward and be baptized this morning. 
Or maybe you need to come forward this morning and say, Pastor, I know that I've been unfaithful. I've, I've looked at the church as hypocrites. I've looked at them uh, as not like me. But I realize that I need to put my pride aside and realize that I'm a hypocrite too. And I need the church because I need to know the church is God's gift. And I need to be in the church so God can grow me and mold me and bless me through the church. I want to come for church membership today. Maybe those are some public responses for you today but privately what I want you to do in just these minutes who do you relate to in this story are you more like the younger son who is rebelling and trying to control God in your sin or are you like the older son who thinks that your good works and good ways are incurring favor with God My prayer is today is that you will find that there is grace enough no matter whom you relate to. Call out to Him. Receive the grace of Christ. Maybe today you need to be born again and be saved. Don't let your pride of maybe being in church for 50 years and saying, well, I don't want to go forward because... I've been at this church and, 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 and people will think less of me. No, we will do just as the parable said. We will rejoice because someone who is lost has been found. Or maybe you will say, I just can't give up this life. There's no hope for me. Don't let your pride say that you can't come out of the sin that you're stuck in. The grace of Christ is salvation to all. Call out to Him for salvation and be born again. Let us pray. God, we ask that You would move in our hearts and reveal to us the grace that we need is in Your Son, Jesus. We pray if there's someone here that needs to be brought to faith, God, You would move, change them, and make them new. Shatter the broken stone heart that they have. And Lord, give them a heart filled with the Spirit that serves and is saved by You. Lord, we pray today that you would do a work in them that we would all understand the grace that abounds in Jesus Christ. We are thankful for this message and that we can come and be saved through Jesus. And it's his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Hebron Baptist Church. We pray as you have listened, the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart that you may faithfully follow him. Most importantly, we hope that you've been drawn into a relationship with God. At Hebron, we believe that the gospel is the central message of the Bible. The gospel is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, and died for our sins. But he was raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God. The most appropriate response to hearing this good news is turning from sin and turning to Christ. Don't stay far from God. Instead, repent and believe in Christ and be brought into an intimate relationship with Him. If you would like more information about this life-changing decision, please contact us through our website at hebronbaptist.org or even better, come see us on a Sunday morning. May God bless you as you follow Him. <music>